You are listening to the Gen Z Broadcasting System. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Silicon Steve Valley Show. This, of course, is Silicon Steve Valley. And we are highlighting the truly amazing people that make this world just a little bit better. And today is no exception. We have a brilliant man, motivational speaker, particularly in the world of recovery of narcotics and alcohol and stress and mental disorders. He's helped me personally, and I have seen firsthand some of the miracles in which he takes part in every single day, now every single day life, as he really simplifies the problem with addiction in a relatable and beautiful way. He has morning motivations with G-Dad. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a proven, he is a proven empath. He works beautiful art in terms of using his empathic skills and absolutely is a shining light and inspiration on everybody he touches. And honestly, he's one of the wisest, kindest souls you will ever meet. And it is my honor, the host of G-Dad Morning Motivation, I give you Troy Pemberton, my man, G-Dad. What's up, brother? How are you doing, my brother? Good, man. Thank you for taking the time. It seems you're in an inauspicious spot, but a place I love. I actually pulled over in the Wawa parking lot. I figured what better what better background than the brick wall at a Wawa? Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's heaven <laughs> on earth. It's heaven on earth. Wawa, if you know, the, if you're in the Northeast, particularly Philadelphia, you know, Southern New Jersey areas, Allentown, PA, but anywhere in, in Eastern PA, Wawa is heaven. Once you get inside, getting at, getting in the parking lot's a whole other deal. But <laughs> Right. And, and it really is uh, shocking how different Turkey Hill, Rudders, Sheets, all with the same business model, but yeah. they just don't come close. They just don't come close to what Wawa does. Yeah. I have friends that moved out west, and every single one of them says one of the biggest things they miss is Wawa. Like they're out in Colorado or Oregon and all these amazing places that most beautiful scenery you'll ever see. But it's like shit, man. I I'd love to get me some Wawa right now, you know, and quick quick hoagie <laughs> on the spot, you know, quick sodium filled hoagie on the spot, you know what I mean? <laughs> but all right, brother, it's great to see. I'm I'm really excited. I'm honored. Thank you. Um, a lot of respect on this. Well, it's interview. great to see you. Yeah, I was thinking about it when I was when I was looking at your stuff. I was thinking, you know, we we met years ago, yeah, six years, years ago, seven ago. years ago. I think twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. Yeah, I think mean, it was fourteen. Pretty sure. Yeah, I was uh, just left AGT at the time, if I remember correctly. I think I just left them. Maybe a year before, but yeah, I met you, and then uh, it just that and Shippy, and I, I don't think my drinking was quite as bad, or at least I wasn't so angry. So the drinking right. was amplified when my anger, when I lost my job in 2018. And, but let's talk about your journey and you are now counseling addicts and counseling alcoholics and people with stress and other issues. And you've been helping. How did this come about? And because you were living the high life as a vendor on the hippie scene, but then 2020, the pandemic hits. Give me your story. Uh I mean, I'm not going to say that 2020 didn't throw a severe financial glitch in my world. Oh you know, my 19, God, yeah. 10 to 19, you know, all of a sudden everything I did for a living went away. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was devastating. You know, we, we watched our savings just deplete more and more and more and more. And, uh, you know, I finally had to make that decision to get a nine to five and I grabbed the, I grabbed the first the closest job geographically to my home that paid well, you know, which was, a, you know, gas prices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I did what I had to do. Um, 
and I ended up, you know, in a restaurant and, and I was very happy because it's what I've done most of my life. Um, the, the downside is attached to this restaurant was a distillery and alcohol's never been my drug of choice. Um, for anybody who's heard my story, you guys know what's up. For those of you who haven't, I was in the passenger seat of a car uh, the night my brother killed somebody um, drunk driving. So my PTSD around alcohol started at 14. Um, I never I never anticipated that I would ever be drunk because the only thing I'd ever saw that was around drinking ended up with the loss of life. Um, in addition to, you know, long-term jail time, in addition to, you know, a broken family, all of those other things, I saw those things early. So alcohol has never really been attractive to me, but that doesn't mean I say it often that, you know, it won't help me find a Coke dealer. You know, as soon as I'm drunk, I can find a heroin dealer, a Coke dealer. I can, I'll find it. Um, because my inhibitions change and my logic my logic and impulsive behavior and all those things change instantly um so working at a place that had a distillery you know unfortunately somebody always wanted me to taste something and i'm not you know i'm not talking bad about those people they don't have a real solid grasp of what addiction is they they think that you know a quick shot i'll get a taste and i'll be able to critique it well that's may or may not be the case you know we may end up just watch the starting credits to the movie role when i hit that shot um so i, I made a you know I, without getting political there was some moral discrepancies that happened in the in the facility between me and another employee um there was some judgment calls made and i won't talk negatively about them they treated me really well they did a you know they did the best they could do with what they had as far as keeping me employed and paid um, but I had to make a moral decision. Uh, you know, there was, there was some things going on that I just couldn't agree with. Um, so I made a judgment call and, in uh, December of 2020, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to end up dirty. I know myself. I know what will happen. You know, this is all, this is pre relapse behavior. Um, so I said, that's it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I talked to my wife. She supported me immensely, uh, you know, basically said, do whatever you have to do. So I started canvassing applications. And of course I was doing the, you know, that thing where we go for safe zones. You know, I know I can get this job or I know I'll be okay at this job. Not what I wanted to do, what I knew I could do. Um, and one day I opened up my uh, Facebook and there was a, a post that came across that said white deer run local drug and alcohol recovery center needs text needs. It said needs behavioral health uh, assistance. And I was like, I said to my wife, I don't even know what that is. I said, but if it's drug and alcohol recovery, I got it. I, I know what's up there. So I texted the person who made the post and I said, you know, um, I don't know if I have the skill set needed to do this job, I don't know what requirements there are educationally or certifications, but I think I'd be really good at it. Um, I went in, I interviewed um, halfway through the interview, me and the interviewer were both bawling. Um, and I, and I was like, you know, I'm sitting here in a job interview crying my eyes out 
to the interviewer. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not getting this much. <laughs> you know, clearly I look like a crazy person at this point. Um, but a couple of days later, she called me back and she said, when can you start? Um, gave me the premiere shift. Uh, I took it, you know, with a hundred percent interest and a hundred percent excitement. And, you know, the money's terrible. I'm not going to lie. It's literally the worst money I've ever made. Um, but my karmic backpack is full every day when I leave. Uh, you know, I know I've changed people. I've done things for people that they couldn't do for themselves. Um, you know, and it, it's tough now because with gas prices increasing, I'm still spending far more to get to and from work than I should be. I'm not making the equivalent, but seven out of nine days, I leave feeling amazing. I leave work, you know, happy, joyous, free, full of truth, full of positive behavior, non-impulsive actions, you know, non-criminal behavior, non-addictive thinking, the, those things happen and they've made me a better person overall. <laughs> I still struggle with all the life and life's, you know, life on life's terms things, just like everybody else does. We all have bills and taxes and, you know, unfortunately, incredibly high, you know, cost of living right now. But that's not why I chose to do it. Money, hopefully my karma will eventually land me in a financial well-being position. Um, but I didn't realize how much interest I had in motivational speaking until I was given the opportunity to do it every day. And as soon as, you know, my very first shift, uh, they said we do motivation Mondays. And she said, you know, at 10 o'clock we do this. And I said, well, how does that go? And she said, well, we use a, a YouTube video. And she started leafing through the YouTube videos. And I said, without being pretentious, can I just do one? And she was like, okay, feel free. So I did. And uh, I've, you know, within a matter of weeks, I was recording them and people that had completed the program had started to listen to them daily. I now have listeners in six different countries. I've got listeners in Australia. I've got listeners in Dominican Republic. Uh, there's 54 people that listen to me every single day. Um, that doesn't sound like a big number, but that's a pretty big number, you know, like that's more than the one person I would normally be talking to. Exactly. Yeah, you, you know, the KPIs of how many listeners you have when you're doing things for the right reasons, like I, I'm trying, I'm not even close to where you are in terms of getting that kindness thing and that let's put out the best, our best selves every day because that's what we owe the world and the world will give it back to us possibly. I don't know that's how you think. I That's something I definitely am, am embracing with your intention is where it's at and the beauty you have. And that's why I kind of looked at you weird when you said motivational speaking Wow. The karma and the love, not the karma, the love that you're putting into these people changing every single day. If it's only two people, it's worth it. And that's the okay. way you look at it. Uh, great. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I mean, honestly, my my daughter literally watches uh, TikTok videos, uh, but but no, a, a, a flurry of them and they have 20 million views. Something tells me, mm -hmm. gee, dad motivations is doing a little bit better for the world, even if it's only 58 people now the right people are listening to it. And that's the way I feel about it, brother. So, um, but I would like well, to start, I, I don't know how much you're interested in starting with, where you kind of in the beginning. Um, I don't know this story. And I it was referenced in one, and I believe it was, was it give $20? It was one of my favorite episodes. Um, uh, yeah. 
and give the $20 episode, give it $20. And that was just, you know, that, and there's an integrity, it just, everything plays together. You referenced the BP story. I believe it said BP. I went to credit back a couple of times. I couldn't, would you mind sharing? And if you don't want to, it's totally cool. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sort of morph this into, into two little stories. Uh, so we keep the, the ugly out of it. Those of you who don't know, I'm a, I'm a 20 year, I'm in 20, you know, December 5th, I celebrate, celebrated 20 years of recovery. Uh, I haven't put a chemical in my body in that amount of time. Um, it's been, uh, it's been a long, hard road, but the, the story he's referencing the, uh, the day I knew that I was making poor decisions, um, I was literally using trash in the trash can in a BP bathroom to facilitate my use. Um, I was using, you know, the vinegar out of a mama's hot pickle bag uh, instead of toilet water, which was my other option. And as horrible as those things are, uh, when you're in active addiction, they don't even sound that bad. They feel like normal behavior. Um, but the day I learned, the day I knew that my drug addiction had taken over my ability to maintain decisions. Um, I was sitting in the middle lane at, there was a, if I had made a left, I was going into what was called an area called Afton lane. And that was around the way for those of you who understand what I mean. I, I could make a left and go around the way, or I could make a right and go to Taco Bell. I had $23 in my pocket and I had to make a decision sitting at that light. Was I going to eat? Or was I going to get high again? And I chose to get high again. I made the turn into the neighborhood. I bought my drugs. I went home. I used my drugs and I didn't get anything to eat. And that was probably day four of not eating and not sleeping. Um, but I had lost any ability to make any reasonable conscious decisions that were beneficial to me. Everything that I was doing was, was incredibly selfish and what I considered slow suicide. Um, I was making decisions each moment that could kill me. And I was welcoming it. I, I, well, I wasn't afraid of that. Um, the day I attempted to take my life, that's the other half of the story. I had basically emptied a bank account and uh, I was sitting at home with my children and my ex-wife called me and she said, I want to know why my bank card just got declined at the gas pump. And I said, you know exactly why. And I hung up and I walked out in the yard and I attempted to take my own life. Um, and one of the next door neighbors was watching out the window and saw what occurred. Um, the police came, uh, my mother came, I immediately ended up in a rehab. Uh, thank God, thank God. I, I wasn't able to complete what I had tried to do that day because I've said this a million times. I never would have been able to do the magical things that I've done in my life. If I had made that decision that day. Um, ooh, got myself. It's right. It's real though, man. It's real. But in the time after that, uh, you know, my marriage ended, I lost my home. I lost everything I had. Um, you know, I don't like the term lost. I gave away everything I had. I either pawned, sold or threw away everything that I, that I had ever had. Um, and I tried to start my life over again. And in doing so, I, stumbled upon, you know, I put myself, took myself from a restaurant job to a retail, you know, I was Home Depot corporate manager. And, you know, I started on the floor, uh, accelerated, became very good at it. Uh, and as I've said to some of the clients recently, all of the things I'm telling you now lead me to where I am today. I could not 
uh, understand group dynamics and managing a large room of people until I had done that job. I didn't understand performing or motivational speaking until I became a performance painter. Um, I didn't know how to get myself, get my feet in the doors of places that I wanted to be until I actually had to do it to make money. And all of those things led me to a skill set that I didn't even know I had. I, six years after getting clean, uh, I started to make some real solid decisions on, on what I wanted out of life. Uh, work became just a paycheck for me. Um, I did end up meeting my wife at Home Depot when I was there. That's the greatest thing that came out of it. Um, you know, she's a wonderful person. She's been with me, with me through some terrible, terrible times, all sober though. Um, and she's, she's a normal person. So she doesn't, she doesn't have a, a, a habit. <laughs> um, God bless her. We need those. We need those in our lives, man. <laughs> yeah. There should be a couple normal people on every block. They, they got to keep them out there. Um, keep us honest. Well, not but honest, then we, but- uh, <laughs> but then when I, my, my health started to fail as a result of me putting all of my attentions into Home Depot, um, I started putting all of my, every physical and mental process that I had, I was putting into work. And I found myself getting very sick. I actually uh, had a panic attack that manifested as a heart attack. Um, I was, you know, the only manager in the building at four in the morning with 17 employees and nobody knew what to do. And you know, I could have died that day, at, at, not at my own hand. Um, but in doing so, I said, you know, I can't do this anymore. This isn't what I want. So I came home. I talked to my wife. She said, do whatever you have to do. Uh, I gave my notice, um, collected my severance, went and bought a tent and a van and said, you know what we're doing next? And she said, we can't do that. That's crazy. And then she supported me through that, too. Um, she, you know we would, we would, we did 12 to 16 festivals a year. Uh, we would drive hundreds and hundreds of miles to go see bands. Nobody had ever heard of because that's what we wanted to do. Um, and I was selling t-shirts and tie dyes and, you know, stickers and tapestries and stuff like that. And, uh, I started, I started to do what I called spirit readings. I started to make tie dyes for people And then I would sit down, I would have them wear the shirts for a day and then bring me the shirt the next day. I'm pretty sure that's how you and I met. Yes. I'm almost. I have it. And and I'm definitely going to share my experience with that because it is wild. It's one of the miracles I've experienced in my life. But continue with how you came about it. Well, so I started feeding the empath that was in me that had been hungry for years that I didn't even know existed. Um, And I started letting myself interpret what I was seeing in these textile pieces of art. And uh, I started going up to the stage and sitting, sitting in front of the speakers while I did it. And then musicians started to ask me what I was doing. And next thing you know, I was in a spotlight stage side painting next to my favorite bands day in and day out. It became what I did. Um, I adopted an entire scene of kids as my own. They all started calling me dad. I became the father on lot. Um, and then I became, to use my wife's term, the sober tent. All of a sudden, without knowledge, I had created a safe space for people that didn't have one. Um, and I got so many friends from a sign that I put up one day that said, no face drugs in my tent. 
<laughs> I got so many friends from that side. Yeah. But uh, we're looking for it because we love the scene. Those of you who it's a beautiful scene and there's so many beautiful things about it, but a lot of people, it's a lot, it's where they go to get off. Let's be honest. And yep, yep. you have provided, whether I was chemically altered or not, you always provided a safe space. I felt safe no matter anytime I was there. I just like, but I'm too, I'm too faced right now to go over there though. I don't feel like being, <laughs> you know? um, but so where did this power come from? I'm kind of curious about that. Is it just something that you just, or did it happen? And then, well, I would venture to say I started to let myself say the things I was led to say. I started to let myself do the actions I was led to do. Um, you know, in the in the religious community, they say that you people receive a calling, um, a calling to service. Uh, all of a sudden, I started to have capabilities that I didn't even know I had. Um, and I was doing something for fun. And then in the reveal of it, I was coming across people's deepest secrets. And I started to tell people their own stories. And I had, you know, people literally leave my booth in tears running from me because they were afraid of what I was opening up. Um, the, the, the most, I think the most marked one ever for me is I had done a spirit reading shirt for a young girl and she was there with another young girl and her mother um she was in the booth by herself with me we talked about the what her shirt displayed and uh she was like i'd really like to do this in front of my mom with my mom here so i waited and she went and got her mom and she brought her over and we sat down in the back of the booth and i opened up her shirt and i started reading her the details that i had found and i made a comment about a same-sex relationship and she looked at me with terror in her eyes. And then she looked at her mother and her mother looked at me and they all, everyone was looking back and forth and clearly pausing on this moment. And she turned and she looked at her mother and she goes, well, I guess there's no better time to tell you I'm gay. And I realized that I had just outed this girl to her mother and with no knowledge at all, I was just reading what I saw in the shirt. And the mother was very accepting, very understanding. They went off together and spent a couple hours and then came back and picked up the shirt. And they both thanked me very much. Um, it was a very, very weird moment for me because I had, I had never met this girl. I had never met her mother. I had never seen her ever in my life. And I was able to pull the one secret that she wanted to unleash to her mother that weekend. I was able to bring it up and she didn't have to. So I felt bad for that. But at the same time, I felt like I had been graced something. So then I started sort of running wild with the ideas. I started to, when I would walk up to people, there'd be large groups of people. If somebody would hug me, as soon as they'd hug me, whatever I would hear in my conscience, I would repeat. And I started finding, wait, I, this is real. This is, I'm actually hitting people in deep, dark spots every single time. Um, so I said, you know, this is, this is dangerous. This is not something that I can just do willy nilly. Um, so I started trying to do it online. Uh, I was selling spirit shirts online where I would have people, we would synchronize our watches. We'd go out into the backyard and we'd each pick up a stone at the same time and, and 
you know, meditate on that stone before we would start. And, you know, it, it got to be very systematic. Um, and then I noticed it in my personal life, I was able to help heal my, you know, my wife, uh, other family members that I was working with. And people started to ask if I was a healer, if I'd ever done Reiki, if I was into these things. And all that did was open up research portals for me. Okay, no, I don't know anything about that, but I want to. So I started digging in and finding out more and more. Um, and then when I started interpreting sets of music, uh, I, I think I stumbled, I stumbled upon what all of that power was meant to do. Um, because I can stand in a room with, you know, 3,000 people that are all dancing to a band that they love. And I can interpret feelings that are in the crowd around me into an art piece. Um, and I, I knew I was doing specific work when I would get eye contact with somebody from across the room and they would come over, they'd see the piece, they'd start to cry, they'd pay for it before it was even dry. And I thought, you know, I started to get a little egotistical about that. I did. Um, I became a little better then. Uh, but then the realities of 2019 happened, you know, COVID started, the festival slowed down. Um, my painting got very limited and I didn't paint nearly as much after my dad passed away. It took me quite a bit to get me back into that, uh, where I was comfortable. Um, but then the stairs eventually led me to drug and alcohol recovery. Now I am able to take those skills I learned, uh, on lot doing tie dyes and interpreting feelings and empathing groups of people uh, into this facility. And now we do trauma tapestries in the facility once a month uh, where we have each client will meditate on a particular trauma and I'll have them come up and put one rubber band onto a tapestry. And then we invite them to add dye in and we talk about forgiveness and patience and, and the, the tapestries that are starting to, come out of this are just unbelievable. Um, so now I've brought a new, a whole new like aspect into recovery for this facility that no one even knew existed. And the reality of working with, you know, I don't mean this insulting, but the the reality with working with a bunch of master's programs in suits, hearing me do what I do is a little shocking sometimes because I am clearly a crazy old hippie when it comes to right down to <laughs> I can attest to that, by the way, for sure. <laughs> the best of crazy old hippies, but still. <laughs> but it's uh it's been it's been a very, very definite road. Um I haven't made any voluntary turns that haven't led me to the next place that I was supposed to be. Um so to quote Ram Das, be here now. Um, and that's really what it's all about. Uh, if you want to entertain the inner empath, be mindful of right now. Don't, don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about 15 minutes into your next TV show or your next drive or when you get to the store. None of those things are important. All that's important is living your life right here, right now. And yeah, I might have 20 years behind me of clean time. That's great. My, as far as my brain and body, yeah, I've let some things heal. But I don't really give a shit about any of that. I only care about staying clean right now, just now. And look, I just did it. 
success. <laughs> and congratulations on 20 years. I'm about 16 months into it. I don't have a day. I, I actually want to few don't do a day count. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps. Uh, I want to touch back on my experience with your shirt because I definitely, even though we kind of went on, I definitely want to talk about that. Folks, if you haven't okay. kind of going on what he said, I we have a mutual friend, Shippy, Mark, and I heard about this wild mm-hmm. idea. I have always had a similar – I've always had a vague belief in miracles. I've always had the an bat. idea. It was the bat. Yeah. It was the bat. Boom. Yes. Oh, I just remembered the whole thing. So, okay. And it was awkward because I was like, hey, can I – I'm going to do a lot. This was one of my growth periods. I probably had the greatest growth period the last two years. But from 2014 to 2016 was another really good growth period. And my daughter had given – and I'll show you that right there if anyone can see it. I'll show a picture of it. There's a picture of it right there. I love I love post editing. By the way, I'm going to edit this part out. It's right there on the screen. Isn't that great? Anyway, so so my daughter had given me a bat, a Halloween bat, and what have you. And I also did some readings with our friend Shippy, and we talked about the bat and all that. And I just okay, I got to get a bat. My daughter gave me this tattoo, first tattoo I ever got, which was a little Halloween bat. And it was about death of the ego. And if anyone knows the Silicon one, I have a bit of an ego sometimes. Look at me. Pay attention to me. You know, that kind of guy. And so I was like, hey, do you mind if I wear it longer? I took that shirt, almost wore, I think it was nine or 10 months. I wore that everywhere. I wore it to Red Rocks. I wore it to, to the Gorge. I wore it everywhere. We reconvened at, if I'm not mistaken, we reconvened at Carpe Noctum. And I was like, hey, and you had it for a little while. And you were like, dude, there's too much energy. What exactly happened? We never talked about it. And it's kind of funny. We're talking about it on air. What happened? He said, it's too much energy. He's like, and, you, and he had a nice design, but only you could get was a bat. And by the way, folks, the big thing, he had zero knowledge of the thing with a bat, how I want to intend my ego to go down and has the death of the ego and all that and everything I had studied. And my daughter just gave it to me. You had no knowledge of this. And when you said all I could come up with is with a bat piece of energy is incredible. Was it because I wore too long, by the way? I always wanted to know why was there too much energy? (laughs) I would venture to say because you probably had some clouded experiences in it. Does that make sense at all? Yes. Okay. A lot of it was drinking. It was just a little difficult to read. It was full of energy, but there was a veil in front of everything. Jesus Christ. Well, I'm, I'm interested and possibly doing this again because I think a lot of those veils have been lifted because of my sobriety. We are here with Troy Pemberton, G Dad, and his motivational mornings. And we're going to get into the crux, but we want to make sure you're listening to G Dad's morning motivations. He is on Spotify. If you are struggling with anything, anything in terms of narcotics, in terms of alcohol, in terms of depression, in terms of mental illness, there are lessons to be learned everywhere you go. So, I want to go into the actual crux with your daily motivations. And it's, and you do these every day. I know you post them, you know, you post mm-hmm. one here, you know, every, every week or so, or sometimes it's back to back. What imbi- what do you bring to the table? You have to be extraordinarily unique in anybody that does this. What is your philosophy or your approach that is different from say some of your peers? It's, that's actually a question I've been asked more than once. So I have an answer, which is great. Um, I live mentally so deeply in recovery that my default programming is how can I relate this to recovery? How does this look like recovery? Um, There's actually a game that I play with the long-term clients. 
I call it Stump Troy, where they have to give me any idea at all, and I have to somehow relate it to recovery. Um, the other day, they they got me with the Mars rover, um, uh, calculus, uh, a key tag, but it was, you know, they just pull random things out of the air, and I have to come up with a way to relate them to recovery. And I've never been stumped. And it's not because I have all this knowledge or that I have all this insight. It's that the first thing I do, the default thing I do when I think is relate this to recovery, whatever it happens to be. Um, you know, and, it, and it's, it's actually uh, easier than you could possibly think. Uh, one of the things that I thought was, you know, one of my favorites is somebody said, uh, he wanted me to relate your taint to recovery. And that was one of the challenges. And I was like, well, that's going to be a rough one. But then I realized, <laughs> I realized it's an unknown area that we've never really seen clearly unless we had somebody else describe it to us. And at that point I was like, I just did it. I just made that about recovery. And I said, and the beautiful part about that is when you're in recovery, you don't have to hang out with assholes and nuts anymore. <laughs> and by the way, folks, this is legit. I mean, the beautiful way, and I love it. And by the way, if even if you're not in, if you're not dependent on a substance, if you have anxiety, if you are struggling with life in any way, this is a great listen. We shared a couple of links earlier today on our page and I gave about five episodes of listen today and it was great. Um, but so I'm wondering, could I try to play stump Stump dad right now. Sure. Bring it on. Bring it on. This is going to be fun. This is completely impromptu, by the way, folks, because we're honest here. All right. How about I got a perfect one? Actually, maybe we won't do that one because it is marijuana based and we don't want to go. Why would we make marijuana jokes talking about recovery? It doesn't make any fucking sense, right? Know your audience, TJ. Okay. Um, <laughs> this beautiful. What do, you, what do you got? This is a beautiful cat. This is a beautiful candle. A candle by the great Lindy Lindy's Luminaries, and it's a candle nice. with with some fake whipped cream. It's very beautiful. It's like a it's like a, it's like a so Yankee candle described as a dessert. Here's where we're gonna go. So the first thing that I saw as soon as I looked at it was the deception of reality. Um, the fact that I know what I'm looking at looks like something I'm familiar with, but it's not. Um, and the only way I'm gonna actually figure out what that is is to catch it on fire. Um, the only thing I'm going to, the only way I'm going to be able to dig in and figure out why this is not a Sunday and it's a candle is by literally destroying it. So in recovery, the very first step that we have to do is we have to identify the thing we don't understand. And that's the traumas that brought us to addiction. Um, Anybody who's suffering with addiction at all, your problem is not drugs or alcohol. Your problem is not any of the things you're using. The problem is you because you're trying to fill a hole. You're trying to light a candle in your life that has never been lit before. So the only thing you can do is look past what you see as reality and know that there's a deeper meaning inside, but you're going to have to destroy something in yourself to find and there you go. Boom. We could, we could so probably have a whole, we could have an entire episode of me just challenging you. It's amazing. That was brilliant. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, it looks delicious, but it's really bad for you. That's what I would have went with it, but it's, you can't eat it. 
that that's incredible. No um, one thing. So we, what has been some moments and you don't have to obviously give names. What's been some moments that have been the most rewarding for you since you started being a motivational speaker. I, I, I basically, what's the exact title? I guess. I mean, we call it G dad's right, motivation. I'll give, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you the number one. Actually uh, what we do is we call it G dad's motivationals in the morning. Um, and I'll give you the one that sent me home in tears. Uh, I do one called Ian party with Ian. Have you listened to that one at all? I actually, I thought Ian is, it's an acronym and it's an acronym uh not never always no always no that's what it's always no that's right um so the the idea of that i'll give i'll I'll give you an abbreviated version of that motivational so the idea is when you're when you're fresh out there and you're trying to live your life in recovery and you're and you're coming across people that don't know your story that you don't really necessarily need to get into the details of your life with. Um, You just want to tell them, no, you don't drink instead of any of that. Don't bother. Just tell them you're partying with Ian tonight and know that Ian is an acronym for it's always no. And the reason Ian works is because when I tell you, if you ask me right now to borrow my car and I tell you, no, your first thought is disappointment. So on the elation scale, which is the scale from sadness to baseline up to elation, and then below sadness is rage, that scale, you live your life baseline. You ask somebody a question, you immediately start to creep up towards elation because you're anticipating an answer that you want. You get an answer you don't want, you feel sadness. Then the individual resets the answer to what you wanted it to be, You get to travel on the elation scale, not from baseline to elation. You get to travel from sadness, sometimes from rage, all the way to elation. So that is the chemical endorphin rush that's naturally occurring in your body. You can create an endorphin rush just by making yourself happy because you got the answer you wanted. So when you're out there and somebody says, hey, you want to get a drink? You say, no, I'm actually partying with Ian tonight. You can remind yourself the answer is always no. I never, ever, ever have to say yes again to anything. And then you can decide, you know what? I do want to go out, but I want to go to a movie. So then you look to the person, you say, you know what? I would like to go out. Uh, my boy Ian is is going to be with us and he doesn't drink. And you can just carry it off that way as though it's somebody else. Well, as I did that motivation, <clears throat> I had a lot of aha moments in the room. I had a lot of clients that their eyes were you know, popped out and their jaws were dropping and they're like, oh, it's that easy. And I explained the, what I call the iced tea trick, where you get an iced tea with a splash of Coke and you put a lime in it, you put a tall straw in it, you carry it around. Nobody asks you anything because they all think you have a cocktail in your hand. And as long as you have a cocktail in your hand, nobody asks you any questions. So I was talking about that. And one of the clients that was present in that particular motivation that day was being discharged in the morning. And he came up and he asked me for the name of my motivational and if it was Spotify or whatever. And I gave him all the details and I gave him some of my YouTube playlists um, because I keep a lot of recovery music. Anybody who likes playlists, go to YouTube, type in WDR and anything behind that, you'll find WDR, Troy's Upjans, you'll find Troy's Favorites. Um, Those are all playlists that I've made that are either musicians in recovery or strictly motivational, pure, good music. Um, You will not hear stories about guns, women, or drugs in any of the music that I loved. Um, anyway, so I was talking about this with him and I looked down at his hand 
And on his wrist, he had written I period A period N. And I said, what's that? And he was like, oh, he goes, as soon as I get out of here today, I'm going to go get a tattoo. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get Ian tattooed on my wrist. So I remember it's always no. The moment that I realized I had been so impactful to someone with with a motivational that they were going to get it tattooed and use it to motivate them for the rest of their natural life. That was really, really milestone for me. I knew that day that I had, I had made a difference in somebody's life. And you do that often. And as we talked about the karmic backpack, and there's a lot of things, a lot of things you can go back and listen to G G dad's motivational mornings. It's brilliant. There's one, I love the perception because I've been really thinking they interviewed a, a couple Olympic people and they said, were you speaking? And they won the gold medal and before, you know, they always ask them, how are you feeling before? Were you nervous? And they didn't say they were nervous. They said they were excited. You touched on that. Love, hate, same endorphin, same chemical reaction. In your- G-Dad's motivational mornings. It's something that you can do and you don't need to be an addict per se. It helped me. And I, I teared up in two different, I think two different moments. I actually teared up because Aha, there's haha moments every five minutes. And he's right, folks. There's a there's a story about a pallet that I love. The story about how your recovery is when you're driving a pallet. There's the, the triggers one, which is another outstanding episode. I think there was well, thank a great you so much. I like that you're referencing him because you absolutely had to have listened to him to know those details. Oh, uh, the Scooby Snack. I mean, oh, the Scooby snack shaggy is a hell of a <laughs> shag- But by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know who this gentleman, this beautiful man's hero is it is shaggy. God bless him. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, well, G dad, I want to thank you so much. We can follow you on Spotify. G dad's motivational mornings. Definitely check him out. Is there any other spot we can check you out at? Can we buy some of your art? Where can we reach you? Where you I'm, I'm, I've started doing a, uh, th- you know, the most important 30 seconds of your life on uh, on TikTok in the mornings too. So you can get me, it's just GDAD Arts is my TikTok name. And please, you know, give me a like and a follow. Um, I'm hoping that sooner than later, you'll start seeing actual dates of me doing motivational speeches in your areas. Um, I've been, you know, really trying to make that happen. And I've got a lot of support at work, and uh, you know, in addition to support at home um, in addition to support from guys like you that want to see me out there doing it, you know, that's the motivation I need. Um, so I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing this. And, you know, for anybody who's out there suffering, the first day is the worst day. All you got to do is get through the first one, wake up and start over and it'll get easier. And just like the you know, I do the flat tire. I talk about that. The first time you ever change a flat tire, you can't even find the jack in the car. By the third time you do it, you're doing it with your eyes closed. You know, you don't, you don't drop the lugs on the ground anymore. You don't have to go fishing in the dirt anymore. You know what to do. You know where to put the jack. You know what to do with the tire when you get it off. Um, and recovery is just like that. Each time you go through another moment of clarity, you get better at it. So... I wish you guys well. I wish you the best in your journey of recovery. Anybody who's, you know, hearing this for those reasons. And if not, recognize that you don't have to be addicted to drugs or alcohol to be an addict. You can be addicted to anything. All right. I love you. Thanks love so you, much brother. for your Thank time you. today, man. I appreciate G-Dad, it. G-Dad, love you, brother. We'll see you on the road, man. Thanks, man. Take care. We want to thank Troy Pemberton, G-Dad, for stopping by and 
dropping some knowledge, dropping some wise words. For anybody who may be addicted to anything in this world or struggling with mental health issues, please check out G-Dad's Motivational Morning. He's a beautiful, beautiful man. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Silicon Steve Valley Show. We want to remind you, some kind of jam is only a couple months away. Go to jibberjazz.com for details and also Bazaar of the Arts. That's right, Apple Topple and crew, they're back. And Silicon Steve Roadshow is making their debut. Check out appletopple.com for details and go to Facebook and check out the Bazaar for the Arts. So that'll do us for us. This is Silicon Steve Valley, folks. Thank you so much. And check us out on YouTube. Please subscribe. Please love. Please be kind. Go out, work hard. Be grateful every day and stay honest. Those are the values. Thank you so much, folks. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Here ended the lesson.